Hey, 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 welcome into the True Crime episode, courtesy of The Grinds, with your hosts, Maddie Matt and Todd Fox. And our special guest, Big Renee. Big Renee in the house. Today, we're going to do our very first episode of A True Crime, once again, brought to you in part, brought to you in part by The Grinds. This is an episode that is long overdue. Uh, we're new to true crime, especially myself. I know nothing much about true crime, so I'm more of the person who's going to do the reaction. Uh, I like Joe Kenda. That's about as far as I go, you know, uh, but my partner here, uh, Todd Fox here, he is an expert when it comes to true crime. And today he's going to talk about uh, a crime that happened. When did this happen? In the mid-80s. About the mid-80s. And this is a, a heavy hitter right off the bat. This is Richard Ramirez. Most true crime people and aficionados know about this dude. You're into the Joe Kenda, which is like the Denver, Colorado <laughs> crimes. But this one is from Los Angeles, where we reside. I, I'm not going to lie. You're the first one who told me about the uh, Golden State Killer. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. I had no idea about him. You know, Like I said, I'm not really into true crime. But I, I, if it's interesting, I'm into it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you were the first one to tell me about it. And, dude, the way this man describes it, <laughs> it makes you want to be like, dang, what happened next? Yeah, yeah. So, hopefully this, that could translate. Hopefully this translates because, <laughs> like I said, he's going to tell us the story, and myself and Renee's reaction are going to be firsthand. Like I have no idea who uh, Ramirez. What's his name? Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez is. Don't know anything about his crime, so my reactions are going to be straight natural. Same here. Same here. But before we get into the show, we got to tell you who we're sponsored by. This episode is brought to you by made yes sir made shirts it is in whittier california where you can buy online but it's a brand it's a skateboard brand it's a snowboarding brand it's getting popular by the day they're graciously uh supplying us with stuff to give away on our live shows and also uh to you uh, you mentioned the grind to get 10 percent discount in store out of store look them up online made in whittier and they do all kinds of clothing from uh, all the latest uh, and greatest of skateboarding and snowboarding, shoot, uh, freaking uh, MLB, M- NFL hats, everything, jerseys, everything. <clears throat> clothes, dickies. Look- and Sorry. if you're looking for quality, this is a place to be. Yep. So shout out to Maid. So let's get into this episode. Let's let's hear it, Todd. So check this out. So you're talking about uh, Ramirez. Mm-hmm. What? Who? First of all, who is he? Okay. First, tell us what he's done. Yeah. Okay. Let me get in, let me get into it. And I'm gonna go through his biography real quick. Okay. This has a little crossover with me in many ways. First off, with the Golden State Killer, the Golden State Killer was called a lot of names, and one of them was the original Night Stalker. This dude was the Night Stalker. The original Night Stalker being the Golden State Killer because he was doing killings before this. The Golden State Killer. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but this happened a little bit after his reign kind of stopped, almost stopped anyway. But Richard Ramirez was born in El Paso in 1960. Mm. All right, to uh, to um, what is it called? Immigrants from Mexico. Okay. And so basically, he grew up in a in a small town of El Paso. And if you ever been to El Paso, it's a dump. Never been to El Paso, but I have been. It's, it's mostly industry. I was there for like a day and a half. It scared the crap out of me. That's why. You and that was off. yeah. That was in the middle of the day too. So <laughs> All I was day. yeah. Wow. It, was, it was pretty bad. <clears throat> um. So anyway, 
Uh, he's a former. Uh, he's a son of a former ne- Mexican national Juarez police officer. Okay. Uh, he's he had a lot of child abuse in his in his because uh, he fit pretty much all the the main characteristics with exception of one. Uh, as far as uh, they always say they they have common traits as a serial killer, and he went through a bunch of them. One was head injuries. He had two significant head injuries as a kid. You got dropped. Five year old? No, he was like five years old. They dropped a dresser on his head, Ooh. requiring thirty stitches. Thirty Ooh. stitches for a five year old—that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a gosh. <clears throat> yeah. Then ten year old, uh, he was doing that whole swing thing where you know you try to go as high as you can with a swing. Oh, okay. Flew off the swing, landed on his head. Big, big Ooh. serious injury. That would re- that would have him have seizures all the way up until his later life. Like he just had seizures, like. You know, random. You know, and that was from the head injury. Never got it taken care of, right? So, as a, at a, tw- a twelve, a ten years old, he started smoking pot. Dang. In in high school or in junior high, he was the weird kid. He just didn't fit in. So that was another characteristic, People kind pick. of an isolated outsider type dude. People probably picked on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, he was a butt of jokes. Whatever, wore army boots to school. That'll do it. He had a, a uncle who was a Green Beret Army soldier, came back from Nam. He was the type of dude you see on movies where he would slice a Japanese ear or a, mm. what was it called, one of those ears off and take it as a souvenir, cut fingers, mutilated, raped women over there. He was a bad dude because over there they had free reign, you know. <clears throat> so he came back, verbally abused his wife in front of Richard as a kid. So this kid was growing up looking up to his uncle, but his uncle was like, you know, sleeping around on his on his wife. He was, you know, treating her bad. And he just saw that as a role model. His dad wasn't around anymore. Family wasn't really, you know, only his sisters were trying to take care of him. The reason why I bring up his early life, because it contributes to what happens later. The one thing that happened in front of him that just changed him completely, which he later said. Okay. He was, had the, the wife fired back at the, at his uncle and called him trash and a lazy, you know what? And he snapped, and the <laughs> uncle shot her in the head right in front of him Ooh. at 12 years old. Wow. Killed her? Killed her. Dang. Went to jail, you know, did his thing or whatever, but that was the first time that he kind of saw murder in front of him and just didn't really react all that much. Dang. So <clears throat> that kind of scarred him. In high school, while he was going to school, again, was failing, going back, getting kicked in and out of school, not really doing his thing. He gets a job at a hotel at about 17 years old. Okay. And here's and he was always having creepy, sexy thoughts and sexual thoughts and things like that. Here we go. Here we go, right? So he sees this woman. He's in charge of cleaning out rooms and whatnot. Sees this woman in there. He gets the idea, I'm going to go in and sexually assault her. So she, he goes in the door, sneaks in. She starts yelling as he grabs her. And tries to sexually assault her. Her husband comes back. He didn't know that she had a husband. Husband kicked the living crap out of him within an inch of his life. Dang. Now, here's the other thing that happens that's so frustrating with, with serial killers. Okay. When you see about these serial killers, usually they always get one big break or a few breaks that go their way. And then they're able to continue. And you always look back and you say, man, if this just would have happened, everything would have been different. Or maybe it could have been different. Mm. So, basically, you're looking at a 17-year-old, almost 18-year-old kid sexually assaults or tries to attempts to rape this woman gets the crap beat out of him gets arrested but these two people that came into town were 
outsiders. They were um, vacationing or whatever. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason in El Paso, they were <laughs> vacationing. The husband who beat them up? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. They left town. Okay. They weren't able to file charges. Charges were not filed, and he was let go. Wow. So the first big break came back then. So then wow. he, So then he wound up migrating over here to Los Angeles. Now, here's where it kind of comes personal with me. Well, I'll get into that point. Actually, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Okay. So, anyway. Dang, this is already interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. I'm like. Yeah, bro, seriously. Yeah, so Richard, Richard comes to California and really just does not fit in at all. He, he, um, he can't socialize with anybody, makes few friends, does a lot of drugs. He actually lives close to, uh, what's it called? Um, he lives close to, uh, what's that, what's that area? Skid Row. <clears throat> oh, downtown yeah, LA. Yeah, yeah. So he's downtown LA going in and out of hotels, living like that, like a transient basically. Yeah. Stealing stuff. He starts stealing a bunch of things, selling it, you know, for either drugs or just to, for a place to stay. Well, he gets he gets high on LSD, and he starts to just have more and more hallucinations and fascinations with murdering. And well, he finally gets his opportunity to. In June 1984, a 79-year-old woman is brutally murdered in a Glassell Park, Los Angeles home. She's stabbed repeatedly in her bed, Dang. slashed wow. through her throat. Was her throat was slashed so bad? Almost decapitated her. D. Yeah, yeah. And Ramirez left a f- uh, what is it? A fingerprint on the de- on the uh, window. Uh-huh. But he was smart enough to remove it. They only found a partial print. And he he also raped a woman, seventy nine years 79 old. Seventy nine year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, wow. exactly. <clears throat> so basically, and that wasn't. There's a few other things in his timeline here that I want to get to, but. The next one was on March 17th. So a few months down the road, 1985, Ramirez attacked a 22-year-old Maria outside her home in Rosemead, California. It's not too far. Shooting her in the face with a 22 caliber gun that he pulled on her in her garage. She survived, right? Here's the thing, though. She survived, went outside. Her roommate tried to come out to save her. Uh, 34, he was shot, uh, shot at. By Ramirez in the kitchen, and then when she ducked down to get away from him, the the woman, she was then shot in the face. He came back inside of the house and shot her in the face and killing her. So the same had, woman he shot. Yeah, yeah. So he so shot, he her, shot her, her a second twice. time. Yeah. God. So got her, t- got her twice. And uh, let's see. So in the third one, he fled on a home the same night. He went to a home invasion in Rosemead. So he he tried to get into this girl called. Uh, 30-year-old Tysa Leona Veronica. She was shot with a tw- the 22 caliber uh, what is it handgun. She tried to flee, and he was racing up after her with a uh, what do you call it uh, a bike. And and he got on the bike and raced after her like a motorcycle. Hey, or no, no, like regular, regular bike. Like bike. He caught a, caught up to her <clears> the street. <throat> she and in front of there was people outside. He didn't care. He shot her again. Killed her. Dang. So, Yo, this dude is psycho. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, really bad. at that time, he was being called the walk-in killer or the valley intruder because of all the home invasions. They were trying to link this dude to other things that were in the neighborhood. So, 
Fast forward to March 27th, just 10 days later, 1985. Ramirez entered a home and burglarized a woman, uh, what is it, a husband and a wife at 2 a.m. Guess where? Whittier, California. Dang. Wow. Right adjacent, there used, well, where those condos are, across the street from um, California Grill, yeah. there was a house right there. Oh, wow. That was the one where he that snuck. That was the one he, he snuck in? And killed, yeah, yeah. He wound up killing, um, while they were sleeping, Vincent Charles Zazara, age 64, gunshot to the back of his head. Zazara's wife, Maxine Levena Zazara, 44. Um, she was woke when he shot her, uh, his, her husband in the head. He bound her hands, demanding to know where the valuables were. He then ransacked the, the room. Maxine escaped her, her bonds and retrieved the shotgun from under her bed. But uh, infuriated Ramirez, uh, she, she thought the gun was loaded to save herself. The saga? Yeah, no bullets. Oh, and so man. infuriated, Ramirez shot her three or four more times. Killed her. And then carved her up with a knife. Kitchen. Dang. Dang. Yo, this is a yeah. psycho. Man. Well, this was a psycho. Yeah, he mutilated her body, gouged her eyes out, Yo, took them out, the? and left them in her jewelry box. What? Wow. Yeah. Yo, he must have been on like PCP like all he, the time. Maybe I don't know. He never. They never. Um, what do you call it? Um, specified that. But the worst part of all that all happened. Those two people suffered. Their son was the one that found him. Later that afternoon, so their twenty-two-year-old son found him. Came home and came home and saw him. Yeah, yo, that's the worst. Yeah. So then we fast forward a couple months later in May of nineteen eighty-five, May fourteenth to be exact, Monterey Park. He entered the home of Bill Doy, sixty-six, and his disabled wife of fifty-six. Surprised Doy in the bedroom, um, Ramirez shot him in the face with a twenty-two automatic pistol, and uh, when Doy went for his handgun. After beating a mortally wounded man into unconsciousness, even though he was shot, he beat the crap out of him on top of it. Ramirez then entered Lillian's room, bound her with thumb cuffs, then raped her and ransacked the room for valuables. Uh, Doy died in the hospital. So on that night, 1985, Ramirez drove a stolen Mercedes-Benz to Monrovia, California. And was, uh, let's see, he went to the house of Ma Bell, 83, 83 years old. And her sister, Nettie Lang, 81, finding a hammer in the kitchen, he bludgeoned and bound... Uh, Get the heck out of here, dude. Yeah, Lang in her bedroom. The, bo- the bound... Then bound and bludgeoned Bell using electrical cord to shock the woman. Get the... F- what the... Wow. Yeah. Then after raping Lang, he used lipstick to draw a pentagram on her thigh and the walls of the bedroom. Discovered two days later, both women were found alive but comatose... Ma survived, but Bell or Ma Bell um, later died. Her sister Nady somehow survived Survive. in that comatose state. So the the murders are racking up here. This That's dude, like eight or nine, right there. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 piling up. And now at this time, he was being called the Night Stalker. Now this is where it keys in with me. We were living in the Inglewood area, right? Mm-hmm. And. People were, they were literally like, hey, we have no idea who this dude is. There's not a sketch. There's not fingerprints. There's nothing. So people were freaking out. And there's like, he's entering homes through the windows and the doors. Lock your doors. Lock your windows. Get security. Whatever, right? My sister was trying to get out to her boyfriend at the time. And my mom found this out was, only. This was an 85? Yeah. My mom found out through the neighbor. And the neighbor was like, hey, you got to watch your daughter. You know, she snuck out again. 
And my, my mom was like, she got really pissed off at my sister and says, do you not know what's going on out there? And my sister has a whole, like, I don't care attitude. My dad went in there. He's like, gotta, gotta take the hammer and the nails and start closing these window seals. <laughs> and he started nailing the window sills shut. Dang. Every window. So I, I was thinking to myself later on in life, I'm like, damn, if the house caught on fire, we're screwed. Y'all screwed. <laughs> He was using like three inch freaking nails. Oh, those oh, he play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pops he, with a play. He's like, nobody's getting in. <laughs> or out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he's like, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Here's my thing. How is he getting all these? Okay, he he's pretty much homeless, so to speak. Pretty much, he's like living from place to place, place to place. Yeah, yeah. Where's he getting all these bullets, man? Well, look, he. I know later on they said that he got the gun through a pawn shop. Oh, okay. And then he was stealing stuff to either help his drug habits, pay for whatever he needed. And I guess back then it wasn't it wasn't that hard to get a gun That's or, or That's stuff true. like that. And then probably the, the house he and, ransacked, he probably found some money. And anyway. you could probably get bullets from off the street at that time, too. Yeah, it was a lot That's easier. True. That's true. So he we had are, his way. We are talking about the 80s. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot easier back then. Yeah. Yeah, so check this out. So then the next day, this guy has no, you know, and here's the thing too. They were finding little notes. Oh, and, he, and he, would leave, like, he, was, he was leaving notes, pentagrams, satanic stuff. Oh, he was. He yeah, was he was out there. He was right. rocker. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely was. So the next day, he drove a car into Burbank, California, into the home of Carol Kyle, 42, at gunpoint. He bound Kyle and her 11 year old son and ransacked the uh, house. Don't tell me. Now the 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 only. Cool thing about this. Now, here's a bad thing. Now, he sodomized her and he raped her, but she begged for her life. She, he then told her to say, hell, Satan, and like, you know, go with whatever, you know, like denounce God, basically, because she kept saying, I want my son to live. And he's like, this is the only way he's going to live. You're going to live. And he's the only, pretty much, that's the only reason why her life was spared. She denounced. Yeah, God. so he got what he wanted sexually, but he didn't get her life, and he didn't get her son's life. Because you figure, I mean, if he's killing 70, 80-year-olds, I'm pretty sure he could take out a kid. Mm-hmm. So he had no remorse. But for whatever reason, she she played it safe, and that was it. So on that... She didn't get an uh, idea of who he was? They got a sketch. sketch out of that one. Okay. They got a sketch out of that one. And then they were able to, uh, I think, retrieve some DNA, but back then, 80s... Oh, yeah, the DNA. Yeah. It was still... It was still- yeah, yeah, DNA didn't really kick in until about 93, 94. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like in its infancy? pretty much all they were able to do was collect it. Unless you had a full-on picture of that person. They, it was hard to catch who it was. Pretty much, yeah. dude, pretty much. <laughs> so then um, on the night of July 2nd, 1985, he drove a stolen Toyota in Arcadia, California to the house of Mary Louise Cannon, 75, after quietly entering the woman's house, the grandmother's house. He found her asleep in the room. He bludgeoned her to unconsciousness with a lamp, then using a 10-inch butcher knife from the kitchen, no. butchered the crap out of her, and she was uh, found dead at the crime scene that night. Wow. He butchered her body, too. Then, <clears throat> three days later, Ramirez broke into a home in San Madre, San Madre, California, bludgeoned a 16-year-old Whitney Bennett with a tire iron as she slept in her bedroom. After searching in vain for a knife in the kitchen, Ramirez attempted to, to strangle the girl, but she started, uh, what is it, uh, uh, moving around. He was trying to get her with a telephone cord. Uh, sparks began to fly with a cord. I guess it wasn't cut from the thing. The victim began to uh, breathe. He fled the house, believing that Jesus Christ had saved her. So, oh, so he was really, he was really twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bennett survived the savage beating 
with guess how many stitches, dude? 478. Oh. To her head. Dang. Yeah, her scalp was near. Beat her with a, t- a tire? Yeah, dude, with a tire iron. God. Yep, yep, yep. So then you fast forward two more days. Oh, you have a question? I really, I really can't wait to find out how they got him. Like, <laughs> I, like oh. This stuff is sickening to me, but I, I'll go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. So on July 7th, he burglarized the home. Or uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Let me make sure I have my notes here. Okay. Yeah, He here's where it started. Because it's funny you asked that question. He burglarized a home of Joyce Louise Nelson, 61, in Monterey Park when she was asleep on her couch. He beat her to death with his fists and kicking her in the head. Ooh. A shoe print of an Avia sneaker was left on her face. That's how, That's how hard, hard he, he kicked her Good and stomped God. her. After cruising the neighborhood, he returned to Monterey Park and chose Sophia Dickman, 63, Ramirez assaulted and handcuffed her dick point, uh, dick pin at gunpoint, <laughs> <Whoa>. dick point. <laughs> no pun intended, but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had her at dick point. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at my stupidness. Uh, after, <laughs> uh, let's see. Then he attempted to rape her. He stole ju- uh, jewelry when she swore to him that she, uh, she, she took in everything in, um, Everything in value. Again, he told her to swear to Satan, and she did, and her life was then spared. So she did not die as well. So he was clearly a Satanist. Absolutely. He was, and I didn't get into the religion part of him. Believe it or not, he was actually studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses at one point. He was in a Catholic church, and he tried everything, but Satan was the one that talked to him. And he he got, um, what is it, he got... Uh, into Satanism by a fellow when, when he was um, he was arrested at one point for robbery mm-hmm. and one of the prison mates was telling him about Satan and basically the Bible of Satan and he got into it and that was it. That's crazy, man. I never wow. really got I, obviously, but yeah, I never yeah. met anyone who was really deep into it. Yeah, I would I, I would have to say he was a he was definitely God. a believer. Oh, yeah, yeah. This guy was not farting around when it came to Satan. He was definitely a Satan lover. Hold on here. Imagine if that was him saying, well, Satan told me to do all this stuff. Well, that's what, know, he, that's what he wound up going with. Yeah. You know how you that know? old expression, the devil made me do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he definitely went with that. Uh, so then we fast forward again uh, to that same night. Um, let's Dang, see. There's more? Yeah, there's a, there's a few more. Good there's a few more. God. So on, on, No, actually, 13 days ahead. On July 1985, Ramirez purchased a machete before driving a stolen uh, Toyota in Glendale, California. He chose a home of Leyland Needing, 66, and her husband, 68, uh, Maxon. He burst into the sleeping couple's home. He hacked them with a machete, then killed them with shots to the head with a 22 caliber. He then mutilated their bodies with a machete before robbing the house of valuables and then quickly leaving the residence from Sun Valley. Then that's, approximately, that's sick dude. yeah. And then four fifteen a.m. that same night, he broke into the house of the Kavana family. Um, he uh, shot um, the sleeping Chain Rong. I know I'm not saying the name right. Kavani in the head with a twenty-five caliber, uh, killing him instantly. Then he repeatedly raped his wife, beat sodomized her, bound the terrified eight-year-old son into the uh, room by her side, where he demanded again for her to swear to Satan. Before taking the money and running. Yeah, that's a sick. That's a sick. 
That's a sick individual. Yeah, this dude is... He's not to be caught. And this whole time, they've been trying everything. And no traces of him. All they have is that shoe print. That shoe print. And the funny thing is, back in the day, it was either um, it was Reebok. It was... Um, Fila. Fila. It was British Knights. Yeah. Nikes. Nikes. And Avias. Adidas. Yeah, Adidas. Adidas. And Avias were like a off-brand. Yeah. Yeah, they're like knockoff. Yeah, and he had a... He, so, so basically, the cops were going through shoe stores at this time. They were looking up local purchases of Avias shoes. That's how they were trying to track this dude down. Wow, they had nothing that's else. Had. That's all they had. Dang. So uh, the media coverage was going crazy. Um, they then, what is it called? Uh, sent Ramirez, who had been following the media cr- coverage in his, um, his crimes, went to the San Francisco Bay Area, where basically he shot a 66-year-old. Um, oh, so he moved up north. Yeah, he moved up north. Okay. In the head with a with a twenty five caliber. Then he beat and sexually assaulted his sixty two year old wife before shooting her in the head, leaving her for, to die. But she didn't. Uh, when the ballistics came back, San Francisco realized, "Crap, we have the same dude as that's in Los Angeles." So then, on August twenty fourth, nineteen eighty five, Ramirez traveled seventy six miles south of Los Angeles to Mission Viejo where he went to the home of James Romero, who had returned with, from a family vacation from Mexico. Romero's son, 13-year-old, happened to awake when Ramirez's footsteps outside the house. Thinking that it was a prowler, James went to wake his parents. Ramirez fled the scenes. James raced outside and noted the color, car, and makeup of it with a partial la- uh, license plate number. Romero, the father, contacted the police, believing uh, his son had chased away the thief. Uh, after, yeah, dude, he, he actually probably saved his family, the quick thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after this, um, Ramirez basically broke into the house of Bill Carnes, 30 years old, fiance, uh, Inez, 29, broke through the back door. Ramirez entered the couple's room. Uh, he shot, uh, the fiance in the head and then turning his attention to Erickson, the wife, uh, Ramirez, told the terrified woman that, th- that he was the Night Stalker. And he forced uh, her to say, I love Satan. And he uh, bound her from head to toe. After stealing what he could find, Ramirez dragged Erickson into the other room where he sodomized her, demanded more cash, told her to swear to Satan again. Then he, re- um, then, uh, what is it called? Um, Erickson, and then I, Erickson then herself uh, got, got away but they tried to uh, save the husband. He was shot twice. Sur- surgeons tried to save him. Shot twice in the head. Sorry, I got tongue twisted there. And uh, basically, they couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, well, actually, no. He he survived. I'm sorry, I wrote the wrong he thing. He survived. He survived two bullet two bullet shots in the head to the head. Oh, so he somehow he survived. Yeah. So basically, she gave a, the best detailed um, description of him. Now here's where the, they messed up too. With that car, he was still he was still cars. That one car he was pulled over by a cop, right? The cop went to go run his license plate of the car, and basically he when the cop went up to to when he pulled him over, he goes he, jokingly, "You're not that Night Stalker guy, are you?" And then Richard just smiled and said, "No." And then so when the cop went back to his motorcycle to get to to run the the license plate, Ramirez took off. He bolted. So then the cop was just thinking, oh, he's just maybe he had a warrant out for him. They couldn't find nothing on him. Well, they found out because part of the thing was Richard Ramirez had bad breath. And so there was a dentist card in his in the, the glove compartment. Mm-hmm. 
they found out that, you know, he went to this certain dentist. Like yeah, halitosis. They started scoping that out. They had the Avia shoe. They had the description. And then once they put everything together and they asked the cop, the cop's like, damn, that's the dude. I saw him. So they're trying to get, you know. The cop to get Yeah, the yeah. So basically, now we move on. This was definitely the 80s. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely yeah. the 80s. Because there's no way you... It would have been a high-speed pursuit if had that happen, especially now. Exactly. So in, so in August, the very next month, August 30th, Ramirez took a bus to Tucson where to, to visit his brother, and he was the lead story in every newspaper. They found out who he was, Richard Ramirez, and basically they had closed down. Uh, they were calling him a uh, the El Matador in, in the in the you know the devil mm-hmm. in the the Mexican newspapers. They found out who he was. They had a description of him. Police were scoping out. They knew he was in the area, but he was in Tucson. So he was joking with his roommate. He's like, man, that, that Night Stalker guy is pretty cool. They, at the time, they didn't have the TV out there with his actual face. They were just saying, you know, it's probably this guy, but not really him. But L.A. had the information on him. They were looking for him. At this time, he's 24 years old only. They got the info based off the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. cop putting in his... Uh, yeah, and they were staking this dude out. They were looking for him. So, anyway, numbnuts here, Richard, decides to go back to L.A. Stupid. Now, the cops are over there at downtown, the Greyhound Station, looking at buses trying to leave because they're thinking he's in town. He's trying to leave. Richard is on the inbound buses. He walks up to about maybe 200 cops in the area. They're all looking at the outbound buses. He just walks right past them wow. in the inbound. Wow. So they missed him. Wow. Gee, stupid cops. It wasn't until he was in East Los Angeles, just going to a liquor store to get him some a snack, when two elderly grandmothers started shouting El Matador. El Matador. How would they know? Them? Oh, it was on the newspaper. Yeah, it was yeah. like literally on the stand next to the counter. Yeah. And he was they were like El Matador, El Matador. And so he starts to freak out. He sees his picture everywhere. He's running, tries to get on a bus. Like the, the old RTD buses. People start saying, El Matador, that's him, it's him. So he runs into a neighborhood. He's getting, uh, what is it? It was on, uh, let's see, what street was that? I know I wrote down here. Anyway, he's making his way through Los Angeles or in East LA. He goes into his neighborhood and literally he tries to jack this woman's car. Her husband comes out. She starts screaming. It's the middle of the day, like 12 o'clock. The neighborhood empties with the people that are there. And the husband starts beating him. People start beating him. And they're just kicking this and stomping him. As they should. And the the cops were found out because, you know, the grandma had called. They knew he was in the area. Full force, all these cops come from everywhere over there to freaking track him down. When they finally do, and they get him in in the neighborhood, the thing is, there was a guy coming up with a big pipe. He wanted to finish him off. The cops literally saved his life. Wow. The street justice would have took him out oh, right yeah, there, yeah, yeah. right in front of everybody. Can't mess with the streets, man. So he came in like a freaking celebrity to the LAPD when they brought him downtown. And he, and he was cool as a cucumber when it came to his his uh, trial. Uh-huh. Obviously, he got death, the death penalty yeah. and everything else like that. And he was like, you know, he grew his hair out. He became kind of like an icon. Women were writing him like crazy and, and, you know, falling in love with him, asking him to marry. And believe it or not, you know, he was convicted on all charges. They took his mental health into to everything. 
But in 1996, despite all that, he wound up marrying Doreen Loy. Get the flip out of here, man. Yes. Wait a minute. Now, now, Why are you able to marry someone? This is this is where my brain is confused. Mm-hmm. Women were writing to him? Yes. Asking him to marry? Bad breath, of via shoes and all, man. Murdering all them people. <laughs> no Satan house, worshiper. No, no car. You're never no, going to get out. A killer. A killer. He will kill you. He yeah, will rape you. Yeah, he's raped several people. And they wanted to marry him. Mm-hmm. Get the flip out of here, man. I'm not. Mm-mm. It says here he got 75 letters a day. Get the. Wow. At San Quentin Prison. When well, he had time to read them. <laughs> I, I couldn't get all that in, in, in my lifetime, man. And this yep. fool murdered, what, 20 people and he's. The 80s, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 80s. So he. The problem is, too, here, if this were Texas, he would have been dead a long time ago. Oh, easily. Everybody has a gun in Texas. Yeah, every, yeah. Not only that, but the, the laws out there. Yeah, yeah. Director. Yeah, if you're on death row, they're going to murder you within seven years. Yeah. I mean, you could fly through your appeals and that's it. He went through all his appeals. They all were denied, of course. He was guilty as sin. Mm-hmm. And even laughed about it, taunting you know people when he was Seriously? on... Yeah, when he was in the court, he, would, he drew a pentagram on his hand and would wave at people. He'd smile, he'd smirk when they would do the details of the case. Like, if I was reading the details, he would laugh. He didn't care. Wow. And no remorse. Had no remorse. None whatsoever. None. Dude was a straight psychopath. So, he did get, he did get some justice. In uh, 2013, he died in, uh, in, on death row at 53 years old of hep C. A virus which is common in the prison system. Hepatitis C? Yeah, hep C. Mm. So, because of the cleanliness and all the nasty bacteria going around, he died a slow, hard death with that, but nothing that, you know... I mean, if you think about it... Was he in isolation? Um, he, 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 was the, uh, with the inmate. he was in protective custody. Was in protective. Okay, I was about to say, there's no right. way. He no way he survived that long. He wanted to kill him in there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they'd want it to... Because same thing what, what happened with Dahmer, if you remember... Jeffrey Dahmer was killed in prison. He actually got himself out of protection to go to Gen Pop. He wanted to be in Gen Pop because he knew he was never going to get out. He wanted to get his comeuppings, and he got it. And well, He got it, all right. Yeah, he sure did. But this guy, he died of hep C, and they tried talking to him and getting into his head over the years, and he just never would let anyone else in. So wow. the mystery behind Ramirez... Richard Ramirez will always haunt people, especially those who grew up in the L.A. area at that time, like I did. Like, it was scary for a couple of years. I mean, people were just... And I forgot to mention, too, he was identified by the shoe purchase as well. Mm. So, them tracking down like they would a car via shoes in the Los Angeles area. They wow. Were, they were able to get a receipt. Good thing people bought Reeboks and Nikes, man. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to be caught with Avila. Yeah. <laughs> but he... I mean, he killed, uh, I think it was 13 total. 13. You know, I noticed he targeted a lot of older people. Oh, yeah. Older people. Yeah. I mean, you, you said a few that were like 20s or 30s. Yeah. Kind of, but the most a of them. couple of teens. I guess in desperate time calls for desperate measures because he was clearly wasn't in his right mind. But there's no way in my mind would I would be sexually attracted to do anything with someone in their 70s or 80s. Let alone their 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah. So something clearly, you know, 
it was a crime of opportunity a lot with that dude. Yeah. So, like, you're right. Like, he, he took advantage of what was there, and if he could see a way in, I mean, he stole a lot of cars. The guy was a thief. And one other thing about him is, is you think about it, if you know the, the Golden State Killer, that's how he started, too. He it escalated. It started with, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a sexual deviant. I'm stealing women's panties and stuff. That's how? Yeah, 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 yeah. He did stuff like that. I mean, he just, he was, you know. Then he progressed to stealing more stuff, breaking in more houses. And when that boredom moved on to the next thing. So same thing with Richard. Started out freaking burglarizing, stealing for his drug habits, for his living. And then started raping. And then after raping, he start, progressed to murdering oh, and yeah. mutilating. Nothing was ever enough for him. No. Yeah. And he and you saw it. It was like boom, 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 one right after another. And that's not counting his other break-ins and all the other stuff. Man. Dude, I remember one time, uh, I think it was like five years later, my sister even kept a clipping of it. They had found a shoe print like within five miles of our house. Like he had a, oh, His shoe print? His shoe print, the Via one in a flower bed garden. Because they were, tr- he was trying to break into this this uh, couple's house. By your house? Yeah, it was like five Stop. minutes away, dude. <laughs> yeah. it, got that, it got that close. It got that close, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I slept in the same room as my, because we had this small little duplex. So, like, it was a two-bedroom. And I slept in the same room as my sister. So, I was like, oh. And back then, most people didn't have bars on their windows. No. Not like that, so. Not like today. Not like today. Because I was like, man, how did he get into... Yeah. Or security systems. Or security systems. You go on these um these pages, they'll have like neighborhood. Like it'll show you like all these people that have those uh, doorbell cams mm-hmm. or even side cams and they pick yeah. up everything. Any kind yeah. of motion, the camera starts. I'm yeah. a little leery on those uh, doorbell cams because some people can hack into it. And, oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I've seen it. Yeah. Can manipulate yeah, man. So, you know. Did you, <laughs> did you see that one footage where they had a camera on the kid's room? Yeah. Yeah. And then some guy hacked into it and was like, hey. Yep. Hello, I'm yep. a monster. Like, like I'm well, like, mm-mm. I'm telling you right now, if that happened to me as a kid, I'll be traumatized. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going nowhere. God. <laughs> yeah. So, any more questions? Coming out, running out right now at the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, gone, bro. Butt naked and everything. It's gone. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't want to imagine that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're sleeping. Man. I would if that happened to me. Screw that. I'm taking everything off. I'm good. <laughs> So, but, any questions on, on, on the case? My question, well, you answered all my questions. You answered all my questions. It just, it, it just baffles me that some people can just go to that extreme. I mean, granted, you said that he had some head trauma as a kid, you know, the falling off the, the swings and a mm. dresser hitting you. I don't know what was in his head. I'm not a doctor or anything. I'm just saying that I, for me, Something else must have happened for to him. There's probably some stuff that was left out, but the whole social at, uh, outcast, yeah. And then you know, like having, I think he didn't have. Um, he just the family was never close. Yeah. And then he was, was standoffish. Yeah, he, they were like nomad. You know, he was a nomad. Like he just went from one place to another. Yeah. So nobody wasn't gonna really yeah. notice him or anything. Yeah, yeah. And then the thing of your your auntie getting blown off. Yeah, you know, by your uncle right so, in front of you. That yeah, that might that might trigger. Yeah. yeah, that could have triggered it. It probably just right there that diminished his value of life. Yeah, 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 pretty much because it's just like, oh wow, just like that. Yeah. Is that okay. Like, is that easy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had only that man 
beat him to death in the hotel when he was trying the first attempt. Man. Yeah, you know, lives could have been. I mean, I'm not an advocate of violence, but in that situation, hey, if I saw someone trying to rape my wife, I'm sorry. I'm just amazed too when this whole story came through and I was reading up on it. The fact that few people lived with the gunshots in their head. The, the one when you said the the guy got two shots to the two head. Two shots to the head. Still I mean, surviving. I don't know if he's still alive now, but just the fact that he survived, man, like that's amazing. Yeah, that's willpower, like yeah. you said. Yeah, so he didn't want to die. He didn't want to die, man. So, man, anything, Renee? Guy had so many screws left. He had no remorse, like. Games like gets me like they'll go through all they're going all through all the details and he was just laughing. Yeah, he didn't care. Didn't care. Didn't care. I just wish he could have gotten justice more. So I mean, Hep C in jails. That's a kind of slow death, you know. Yeah. It wasn't a. I I just wanted someone to slip slip something through his chest or something like you know carve him out of. That, I just is me. I know vengeance is mine, but I just like to see justice done right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that would have probably been the right like. Or maybe it could have been like where the woman could have, you know, his wife could have been playing him the whole time, and then she goes in there for the conjugal. Because dude got conjugal, conjugal visits. visits? Yes. Get the f- yeah. No. Way. Yeah. No. No. She could have just slipped a knife in there and, and that's it. it. Poke him up. Yeah. <laughs> you cut my ball. You cut. You take my life. Yeah. So. Pretty much kill me now, right? Take it. Yeah. Man. So that's Richard Ramirez. I like this episode, man. Yeah. yeah like I said, I had no idea who he was, Renee. It was interesting. Yeah, this was interesting. Got me wanting to see the next episode, man. <laughs> this guy, Todd Fox, could tell a story, couldn't he? Oh, yeah. I try. And this is your expertise, man, because I'm telling you, when I first met you, man, you was true crime. Yeah, yeah. We always watch 48 hours. First 48, yeah. 48. So they call everybody start calling Detective Mesh. Detective Mesh. I've got an actual good one for next time. For next time? Yeah, yeah. Just save that, that, man. Can't save that. that one. This one's a trippy one, too. Save that one, brother. Yes, sir. So um, this is our first episode of our True Crime podcast, courtesy of The Grinds. Uh, this is your boy, Maddie Matt, signing off with Todd Fox. And, and Big Renee. So if you like what you hear, subscribe to us. Uh, on our page, on our Instagram page, our YouTube page, our website. Go to our website, www.thegrindspodcast.com, or on Podbean, or any social media streams. Just look us up under The Grinds, and you will see The Grinds True Podcast, True Crime Podcast as well. So with that, this is Matty Matt. Todd Fox. And Big Renee. Same peace. See you.